The following podcast discusses alternative sexual practices in loving and detailed terms, and as such may not be appropriate for young children, people with a latex allergy, or my grandmother. Although I don't know your grandmother, she may be more into this sort of thing than you realize. Listener discretion is advised. podcast of wholesome kink and perverted knitting i'm sir arcane lansing mike is tied up this week so he's not able to record so instead i have one of my good buddies who you've heard me talk about before it is veritas the bilingual uncut uh, latex evangelist <laughs> how you doing today veritas oh that's a little bit of tmi but yeah i'm doing <laughs> just fine you, for this podcast, no, that's exactly the right amount of information. True. I can buy that. I can buy that. Yeah. So for those who have been, who are loyal listeners and have been paying attention, last week I took Veritas to the number six dungeon and he looked like he had a gay old time. I don't know what gave you that idea. But... <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that you thanked me every 10 miles on the drive from detroit to lansing speech impediment was a stutter <laughs> <laughs> we are recording today on saturday just because of the way our schedules worked out so i haven't had a chance to really do anything wildly kinky or fun since my last recording oh darn i'm shocked yeah yeah i you know i'm really popular but you know i gotta work too gotta eat you know and to me at least the mind-blowing passion that i share with my husband doesn't rate on being shared in loving detail with all of my podcast listeners because it's not kink it it's just love he has described himself as a lovely scoop of vanilla ice cream <laughs> like okay I, on the other hand, I actually did have a little bit of fun in the last week. I had a couple of gentlemen come over and uh, that were interested in my wardrobe that they had heard rumor of, and spent about two hours in the old-fashioned mode of playing dress-up. It was oh, fun. Yeah, Mister Mister Dress. Yes, you have. You are quite the collector. Mm. You have. We are surrounded right now by leather jackets. Each of the chairs that we're in are holding several jackets apiece, and basically every single chair in here uh, has a leather jacket on it. You have just this, well, I don't want to say huge, but your closet is filled with latex, and you have to keep track of it with an Excel spreadsheet. I'm an organized person. I can't help it. <laughs> and you also have more than one board game around here oh you think oh okay uh, i've seen toys r us's with fewer board games in it oh. for, for those people for who are into board games if you know board game geek uh my profile on there is germanicus xiii and uh the collection itself is listed in there it's uh the pile is groaning let's put it that way there's actually a little micro badge that you can get that shows this guy being crushed by his own game collection <laughs> that's me yeah yeah first interview first time at somebody other than lansing mike with me and yeah well hopefully this won't be a complete disaster <laughs> well you know they say every experiment that produces data is a success hopefully hopefully so i talked a little bit about what i saw you doing at the number six dungeon but you relayed to me that I might not have been witness to everything that you did there. And well, you were a little distracted on your own. Well, uh, yes. I mean, that horsehair flogger was, was something to behold and something to feel on your back. And Yeah, I'm going to ask him to do that <laughs> at the February Detroit Bondage Club. 
I can understand that. No, it uh, it, it was interesting because I, I think the term that I used, the, the folks down there were very welcoming. I'd never been to the place before. And as you had said the last episode, I decided to uh, dress up a little bit. And so under my street clothes, I had put a cat suit on. I had a latex cat suit on. So I took that off, the street clothes off and had this cat suit. And people kind of were, there's always this range of ones that kind of are going, okay, big deal other people are going where did you come from and then other people going oh that's different okay and there were more people in that category and i was really surprised at the guys who were curious enough to come up and ask questions and so at least through part of that i felt actually a little bit like a latex salesman because <laughs> there were so many people that were coming up and they were would ask questions i was i was really pleasantly surprised it was nice they were friendly and they were genuinely curious so you know and wondering ab about how body hair might interact with latex there was one gentleman there who was looking at it and uh he was fairly well covered in body hair not too thickly but some and he was looking at me and just kind of this, with this shudder that went through him. And it was like, I couldn't imagine the agony of getting into that suit. He said, I would tear every piece of hair that I had on my body out. And I had to smile and I promptly unzipped the top of my suit and pulled it open. And I had more chest hair than he did. Not much, but a little bit more. Right. And he was very surprised. And I said to him, I said, no, there's there are definitely ways to do it that there's no pain involved whatsoever. So it was just an idea that he had that was just... To me, thinking of all of the wonderful pornography that's always 100% true to life and accurate. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, just about everything that I've seen that has had a rubber component to it has been, you know, shaved down to the skin shaved head shaved eyebrows and being completely smooth before you put the rubber on but if you think about it no the rubber is there it smooths everything out for you and helps to uh pull in those problem areas oh yes it yes. does that it, it's like a nice hug yeah i should explain to our listeners that veritas here actually put me in a rubber cat suit for the very first time and guilty as charged and it was the same rubber cat suit that you wore to number six dungeon true you also put me in paws and a pisser hood mm -hmm. and then at another time you put me in this lovely rubber sleep sack oh oh that that was that talk about a big rubber hug <laughs> However much you paid for it, it was worth every single penny. Yeah, it, yeah, full body, rubber sleep sack with sleeves so that when you're in it, your arms don't move and you're not able to play with yourself. Or escape. That's or, the big or thing escape. about those. You know, with good bondage, you should have a little wiggle room. You should be able to struggle and try and fight against the bondage and not have it fail. Right. Because the struggle's part of the fun, right? I mean, yes. if you're not struggling, why bother getting bound and restricted? Mm -hmm. you know? If you're just going to lay there anyway, then I don't need to break out all the restraints. One main zipper on it, but with multiple pulls, so you can e expose small areas. You don't have to open it all the way up. And then, yeah, flaps over the tits so that they get direct access and... Yeah. As well as the rear entry zip, which is also very important. We didn't use that when we played, but still a handy thing to have in a rubber sleep sack. Terribly. I, you know, for those folks who may have never done that kind of bondage or played in something like that, sleep sacks are often made of leather, which tend to be horribly expensive. You can get them in rubber, which are not as expensive, and they actually make them now in neoprene, the wetsuit material. Yes. A lot less expensive. They almost come within the range of being something that doesn't break the bank. But that's something when people ask me about that, that I always recommend if you're going to do it, make sure it has the internal sleeves. What they do is they put a couple of panels in that the person's arms go down into. They literally look like sleeves. And once you zip up the central zipper, there is no escape. I had a 
gentleman who had really wanted to try one, and he prided himself on being able to get out of devices like that, and usually with nothing more than brute strength to do it. He was a very strong individual. Mm -hmm. He worked construction, that kind of thing. And he set about trying to get out of that. And when I let him out several hours later... <laughs> well, I didn't want him out cluttering up the house that much, so well, you know, I yeah. had to let him out. But well, Yeah. Um, <laughs> had to vacuum eventually. Absolutely. But he sat up, and he started to kind of hold his arms... And he had literally pulled muscles. He had struggled that hard. I hadn't realized it. You know, I knew he was struggling, but it seemed like he was enjoying himself, so I wasn't going to try to go against that. But he said that he had literally pulled muscles in his abdomen and in his arms. And for quite a while after, he felt that. He really had done himself some more damage than he had even intended. So it was oh, uh, dear. it was kind of a learning experience for both of us, but... If you want something that's going to work and you put somebody in it, zip them up, and they're taken care of, it's for the bondage top. It's something mm -hmm. that is well worth it. The effort is virtually, you know, nil, and you've got a prisoner <laughs> instantly, you know? Your sleep sack was actually not the first time I had been inside a sleep sack. Years ago at number six dungeon, I got to enjoy, well, mostly enjoy, anyway, <laughs> a leather sleep sack mm -hmm. that was then cinched up with additional rope and tied to the platform that I was on. It was enjoyable for a while, and it was a real sensory deprivation trip because he also put on a blindfold, and you may have seen them at the number six dungeon, the high-powered... High-powered? Well, I guess that's the best word for it. Hearing protectors. So... I couldn't see anything, I couldn't hear anything, I couldn't move, and I had a good time, until, and this is unfortunate, the zipper on that sleep sack did not have a flap underneath it, and I was zipped up, I got hard, and then I, you know, it just naturally wilted a bit, and yeah, I some of my skin on my dick got into the zipper. Oh. <sighs> oh. Yeah, they, yeah, they had to, you know, they got me out, got the betadine wipes, and I I went home wearing a Band-Aid, and yeah, had to, had to leave him alone for a few days, and that was unfortunate. Yes, but yeah. you had a new scar to brag about, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and the scar has faded with time, fortunately. Yeah, it's not big, jagged scar on my junk. Yeah, so, yeah, I I really like those sleep sacks, and I, I like everything that you've introduced me to uh, that. in the world of rubber, and you showed off several different hoods. There was a gentleman there that night who was very intrigued, and he said that hoods were something that he was really into. He was more of a leather person himself, but I think that was mainly because he hadn't had a chance to see what rubber's about. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the biggest drawbacks to leather. Leather has a wonderful, warm, sensual feeling to it, but it doesn't give. Where mm -hmm. rubber and neoprene, if the, the garment that you're wearing doesn't exactly fit, well, it can give a little bit. Right. Where if you're too small for something that's in leather, you know, there's really not much you can do. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. So he had never experienced rubber. So and I, I had packed a bag with some toys and different things, and I happened to have thrown a few different rubber hoods in. And so I put him in a couple different ones, and he seemed to really enjoy them. There's certain sensory depth things that you can do with that kind of play as well. I have one that comes from the Mr. S folks out in uh, San Francisco that they call a puffy hood. They make it in leather. They make it in rubber as well. And to be in that and then to have somebody just gently rub the outside of it gives some really interesting sensations to the ears. People have described that as a unique sensation, but you can get those as well with other rubber hoods too. Well, can you describe the puffy hood a bit more for... Well, the puffy hood, this one, there are no eye holes. 
There is a newer version of it that I got that has a bigger mouth hole. One of the complaints of the original design had been that it was too restrictive and that people who had some claustrophobia or would have difficulty breathing, they weren't able to stay in it as long as they might have liked. Mm -hmm. So it has a slightly larger mouth hole now, so it's more comfortable. But otherwise, what they've done is they've taken a rubber hood and they've for the most part, layered it. There's like two layers of rubber and you'll find foam rubber in between, thus the puffy aspect of it. And they have several inches of it at different places. And then what they've done is down the back end of it, they have made it a lace-up hood. So you have a leather strap and you literally can lace it shut that way. So it's very secure. It form fits to the head because it's rubber. It will give a little bit with that kind of lacing in the back. That also will form fit, and it gets pretty quiet in there, but if somebody starts to rub it, you hear it very strongly inside. So you can go from very quiet to very loud with not a lot of effort, and voices are pretty well muffled. You have to really raise your voice for somebody to hear you in that. The other night uh, when we were playing dress-up, we used that hood as well, and the young man who was wearing it, his sir was saying to him, can you hear me? And there was no reaction. And finally, he raised his voice enough that he got a reaction. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've put me in that one. I, you've shown it to me. And I, looking at that, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be some intense sensory deprivation in a good way. Now, at number six, you were not the only person in rubber that night which surprised the hell out of me i thought you'd be the only one it did me too but it was a pleasant surprise no there was a young man who uh, who came that night with his roommate who i guess his roommate is one of the gentlemen who organizes dbc yes and uh he was had just bought this he was interested in rubber it was the first one and he didn't have a lot of experience with it but he looked great in it he uh, had a nice trim body and it, this one fit him pretty well it was more of a wrestling suit so you had the straps that went over the shoulder uh it was kind of low plunging in the front and then the legs were quite short they didn't go very high but it was nicely made it was black with silver trim pewter silver trim it looked really good on him the only thing is that he had never had a chance to wear it and knew nothing about polishing it. Mm. So I reached into the bag and pulled out some polish and we polished it up so that he had a nice gloss look on it. He looked good in it. He really did. He was a very nice young guy and uh, was very interested in learning a little bit more about it. So about, you know, the rubber and what you can do with it and the things to watch for, that kind of stuff. So you made a new friend there. Well, I hope yeah, so. I, I mean, hope so. I made a lot of new friends that night. There were a lot of people. They were, as I said, the guys there were, uh, the dungeon master was very friendly and made sure that he got my name on their mailing list and told me that please come back. And several of the guys who were regulars there shook my hand as they left, gave me a hug and said, you know, we hope you see you again. So it was a nice experience. It really was. They're, they're a very nice group of people over there. Nice group of guys. Dungeon master is great. Unfortunate that he seems to have lost quite a bit of his hearing in the last 15 years. Yeah, you have to be right up on it, talking directly to him in a slightly raised voice to get any reaction from him. We passed around a birthday card for the Dungeon Master for his 81st birthday. And he has been doing these parties since 1985. Wow. Yeah, I just I, hope I'm, when I'm 85 that I can still, you know, 81, 85, that I can still be doing oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I kind of want to, it, it would be difficult to interview him here mm -hmm. for this because of the hearing loss, but I don't know, maybe in a story core booth with the monitor turned all the way up. That gentleman would have some stories to tell. I, I, I no am, doubt. Oh, yes. I am certain that he, yeah, somebody... And it may end up being me, but yeah, somebody needs to capture his stories, his leather oral history, and give it to the leather archives. Mm -hmm. Because uh, he ain't going to be around forever, and he knows a lot. And knowledge, yes, knowledge wants to be free, but knowledge also wants to be preserved. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we don't don't want to lose all of that. To uh, a little segue on that, too, since uh, we had chatted about this a little bit earlier... 
one of the other things that uh, I introduced you to was the concept of fetish events. Oh, yes. I took you to your very first IML last year, and uh, it didn't take much to set the hook. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do thank you for that. I had been wanting to go to IML since the late 90s, since I discovered that there was such a thing as International Mr. Leather. And I never, I'd never really gotten the chance, never had both the money and the excuse to do it. And then you offered to let me crash with you. And I was like, oh, why not? It was definitely an experience at International Mr. Leather. Kind of a little disappointing, if only because I had been building it up in my head for 20 years, and I was kind of, sort of, expecting something out of Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more of a Bacchanal. What I got was a mall. Mm -hmm. I'm of definitely. The contest is quite large, but... The big thing I think a lot of people go to IML for is, one, it's, you know, the fellowship. And I mean, yep. the eye candy is wonderful. Yes. But to me, IML is a big shopping trip. You will never find a larger group of vendors in one location dedicated to just about any form of kink that you could ask oh, for. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we saw all sorts of things for sale that I seem to recall we saw an illustrator for sale there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for those who are really into nut torture, uh, be careful. It will kill them. Yeah, I mean, the eye candy. I remember seeing somebody there in head-to-toe red latex with a latex pup hood on. And saw, you know, I was there. I was wearing my boots and the cat suit. And I think I had a hanky around my neck. And after a while i was a wet rag uh <laughs> i had the cat suit unzipped as far as i was willing to go in public even at iml you didn't tend to see exposed bits and pieces at the vendor mart i had you weren't looking darling that was <laughs> well okay so i didn't see and i was not that daring uh <laughs> i probably could have gotten away with it but the energy of it didn't feel right for that. I am glad I went to IML. I was able to get my pup hood and pup tail for Mr. S. I'm trying to remember what else I bought. A couple bottles of really good poppers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I even, I remember I even sent you back saying, this booth across from North Star Leather, which... Everybody go check out North Star Leather. They Northbound, make them. Northbound. 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 Yeah, Northbound Sorry. Yeah. Out North, of Toronto. Northbound Leather out of Toronto. Everybody check that out, especially these days because the Canadian dollar is weak against the U.S. dollar. But, but yeah, the booth that was selling these really nice poppers was across from Northbound. And the second day, you went back to the vendor mart and back to IML. I went to Steamworks for the Bear Pride party there, because IML and Bear Pride happened the same weekend on purpose. As well as Shibari Khan, for those people who are into rope bondage. So, yeah, Chicago gets really, really kinky on Memorial Day weekend. I went to Steamworks and took a dip in the bear soup of the hot tub, and I asked you to go to that booth and ask them, hey, you guys sell over the internet? And... You came back and said, no, they don't. They just whip up a big batch for IML, which, that was good stuff. Yeah, fun. <laughs> well, the reason I brought it up is that this will probably be something that will come up on future episodes of Harry Prone Companion, but we are have both made our reservations to go to CLAW. Yes. The Cleveland Leather Appreciation Weekend, their main event each year is uh, Appreciation April. or awareness? I've seen it appreciation. I've heard it said many different ways, but I thought the original one was Cleveland Leather Appreciation Weekend. Okay. Yeah, Claw is much younger than IML. I believe this is only Claw number six. 
Oh no, no, it's sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, like claw, that, claw yeah. sixteen. Okay, but yeah, IML was what thirty-seven, somewhere in the thirties. Yeah, somewhere in the thirties. IML big shopping trip. Claw has more events and classes, and I'm going to be bringing my voice recorder. And if I can, in those times when I need a break from the debauchery, provided that I can find a quiet place to do it, because I don't have a room to myself. I'm, I'm rooming with a couple of other guys who I may end up interviewing here. So the room might be full, so I'll probably be able to figure out some way to get a bit of recording done at Claw. So stay tuned, folks. Yeah. There'll probably be some real good stories coming out of that. This portion of A Harry Prone Companion is brought to you by the Esquire Bar in Old Town Lansing on Grand River, one block north of Turner Street. It's a nice bar. Yeah, the kind of beer-in-a-shot place where you have a pleasant conversation watch a gaggle of lesbians play pool and listen to a couple of drunkards completely destroy David Bowie songs. Yeah. Last time I was at the Esquire was the first karaoke after David Bowie passed and all night long people, David Bowie, he was an amazing writer. He was you know, he doesn't have like a Mariah Carey range to his voice at all. But I mean, some people just, some people shouldn't sing karaoke. <laughs> Myself included. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you've got a bunch of notes here about latex. So one thing I wanted to ask, if somebody is, somebody wants to get started in building a latex collection, where would they start? What pieces, what's a good place to start shopping? That's a good question. I, that's kind of, I kind of push that back at folks because it's kind of dependent on what they're into. Mm -hmm. And probably even further, it's kind of what their budget will bear, so to speak. But often you'll find people will start with a small wrestling suit or a shirt or a singlet, like a sleeveless a shirt, mm -hmm. a singlet, something like that. I know when I bought my very first cat suit years ago, I made the classic mistake that just about everybody does in that they order them too big. Mm. That's probably one of the biggest things. And it's so frustrating when you've just sunk good money into a garment and then it just doesn't fit. Rubber will stretch. And the idea of rubber is for most people, is they're shooting for a second skin feeling. There used to be a magazine, I don't even know if it's still being published, called Skin 2 that was out. And the idea behind the, the magazine is that good rubber, if it's fitted properly, should fit you like a second skin. And the feeling of that for a rubberist is incredible. That's one of my favorite things, is that when I put on a well-fitted, tight cat suit, it's a feeling like no other. The fit is important. If you can do it, this is my opinion, you're almost better off having something custom made for yourself. It will add in some cases to the cost. There is a firm out in New York that does not charge an upcharge for made to measure. They just assume that they'll do it for everything. They have computer programs that they put the measurements into and the owner is incredibly adept at seeing where the tucks need to be for whatever body type. I mean, it would be wonderful if we were all looked like, you know, Adonis, but sadly, you know, none of us quite get into that line. It seems yeah, like. Yeah, there, there's only one David, and mm -hmm. he was carved. What is the name of this company, if people want to look him up? The company is E7 Gear. It's out of Yonkers, New York. They do have a website. If you simply Google E7 Gear, it will come up. They have a pretty broad variety. It's mostly for men. They haven't really broadened out into it. If there are ladies in the audience who are interested, there is a company called Libidex that they tend to focus more on female fashions and do a very nice job at that. 
I've gone, a lot of my stuff comes from E7. I, there was a wonderful firm in London called Host, which was short for House of Subversive Thought. I always love that name. That did some fantastic work. And a lot of what I get now, I get from a firm called Black Style out of Berlin. There's also a firm called Blackbody that does some good work. I think they're out of Amsterdam. So rubber, you'll find, tends to be something that is still bigger in Europe than it is here. But as you said in your last episode, I'm slowly trying to infiltrate and converting men to rubber one kinky guy at a time. And, you know, I'll stick to that. It's it's <laughs> it's working. So What one willing kinky guy at a time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I guess... In answer to your initial question, you have to kind of decide what you're looking for. But if you go cruising on a site and you look through like E7 or Black Style, they have a broad variety of things. And there'll be something there that'll catch your eye that you'll probably say, hey, I, you know, that might fit into my budget and yeah. be something you'd like to have. One thing I saw, because I was cruising around the Black Style website, because you actually, you help them and I helped you help them. Uh, with their English translation, and part of that was doing uh, full body measurements on you. And that was fun to, to, <laughs> to touch you all over. But a- after that, I did look up the Black Style website, and the one piece that caught my eye and looked like it would probably be within my budget is a Bermuda short with cock sheath and an ass sheath, or mm-hmm. it sheath. Yep. Because, you know, with that, I get the rubber sensation around the important parts Mm -hmm. and full rubber coverage and with the two sheaths i can play in it Mm -hmm. and not horribly expensive i'm not going to quote a price because i don't remember but much less expensive than say a full cat suit and that i will i'm pinching my pennies right now Mm -hmm. for claw but had the pleasant sensation of i got paid this friday and I checked all of my accounts and I'm like, the only thing I have to buy with this check is food. All of my bills are paid and I get paid again before the next bill comes due. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So that's nice. But I want to get that Bermuda short or something similar to that before Mr. International Rubber in November. Yes. Because I... On the topic of kink events, I'm going to Claw this year, and I'm going to Mr. International Rubber, which is first weekend in November, last weekend in October. It's somewhere around Halloween. It's actually, this year it'll be after. It's in the first full weekend, I think, in November. I'd have to look again what the exact dates are. For those who are interested in Mr. International Rubber, do a search for that spelled out, and you will find it. It is the first Google hit, and... You show me how much fun those guys have there, that it's not nearly as serious as Mr. International Leather. No, the contest is yeah. meant to be fun. They are international. They uh, The year before last, I think they had 12 contestants representing nine different countries. Ooh. So they are trying to make sure, and, and everyone who is a contestant is, an, is a title holder for the most part. And they always have a sign language interpreter there. As a matter of fact, Mr. International Rubber from two years ago was a young man from the Netherlands who was deaf and had a cochlear implant. That's how he heard. And the very first night, very early in the competition, that broke. Oh, no. So fortunately, there was the interpreter there. There's a young lady who comes every year, and uh, she's just wonderful at what she does. But the idea of the contest is we're there to have fun. I found with kink events all the way around that they all tend to have a little bit different of a flavor. IML, the contest is serious, but it's a big shopping trip. Mm-hmm. They have some good parties, things like that. Claw is not as big by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not small. They have focused more on education and the parties that they do. They are very deep into their charity work. Most of the proceeds will go to an AIDS charity or something like that. So I give them credit for that. MIR, uh, Mr. International Rubber, it's a rubber event. It's much smaller. It's very intimate. I think maybe a thousand guys come through the turnstiles, something like that. And some of those just go to shop. They have a small kink market. As opposed to, what would you say, like 20,000 at 
IML. IML usually runs between ten and fifteen. That I haven't. I didn't yeah. do the figures from this last year, but yeah, we're talking over ten thousand will come through. But that's why that one's a big shopping. If you if you have just a day and you, it's a few bucks to get in the door. Yeah, it was ten dollars last year for a Vendor Mart armband, which got you in the entire weekend. Yeah. yeah. You know, and eye candy's free. <laughs> yes, yes, and there's a lot of it. So yeah, just be prepared if you are in Chicago that weekend, in or around the Congress Hotel, and you you want to check out the vendor mart. You may have to brave a gauntlet of cigar smoking bears to get in the front door. But if you walk in like you own the place, they ain't gonna bother you. But yeah. a side effect of them is to keep out those who would wander in at random, not knowing what's happening in there. They're pretty good about that. The uh, IML especially, they take over the an entire hotel. The hotels are closed to the public. There's signs out front that basically saying that there's a private event going on, that it isn't open. So they make every effort to make sure that the people inside are comfortable doing what they want to do and that the public doesn't inadvertently see something yeah. that they don't want to see. And Claw has taken over two hotels. Yes, this two year. small hotels. Two yeah. smaller hotels. Mr. International Rubber is not at a hotel, mm -hmm. which you said it makes life interesting in that there's not really a hotel within walking distance. The Uber drivers are, are going to get an eyeful that weekend. Yes. They hold IML, or MIR, I'm sorry, they hold that at the Halstead Center in Boystown in Chicago. And we usually take over the third floor. This year we had part of the second floor because they're starting to do classes, things like that. The kink market is not large by any stretch, but they also carve out an area where you can come in and try out the toys, too. One of the owners, who I know very well, he is very good about sharing his toys, and he brought in a plinth last year with a hoist in it. So we had young men that were in large, heavy rubber suits being hoisted up in rubber harnesses and he would then attach electrodes to certain parts and allow them to dangle there so that sounds like fun oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's small enough that it's intimate enough that you can you meet a lot of people it's like a, it, in a lot of ways it's like a brotherhood because there aren't as many people into rubber but i'm trying to change that so <laughs> one willing person at a time exactly but getting back to your yep. questions of about latex at, at dungeon uh, number six, mm -hmm. a lot of people talked to me and had questions. Like the one guy was saying, you know, about how he thought he was going to, you know, rip out his chest hair. Yeah, yeah. Putting on a rubber suit to him was like using an epilady on himself, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it wasn't, but there are things about rubber that, you know, if you understand one of the problems that rubber isn't so popular here is the quality of American rubber isn't as good. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's a chemical that is used to cure the rubber that is illegal to import into the States, as I understand it. Ah, okay. And so rubber that's made here tends to degrade faster. And that's the kind of thing where when you'll go into one of the general kink stores that you'll find, you'll see, you know, maybe some rubber pants or something like that. But they tear. They're all usually very, very thin. Rubber is made usually in millimeter increments. They start, some of the really thin stuff is like 0.15 millimeter, if you can imagine that. Most of the common size that you'll find is 2.5 to 0.3 millimeters. But the rubber that's used for garments can go all the way up to 1.2 millimeters or 1.5. And I've seen mm -hmm. a few cases like that. Most of the rubber that you'll get, most people are afraid of it because they're afraid it will tear. If you go with something that's 0.3, you do have to be more careful about it. You have to make sure that your nails are trimmed so that when you pull it on that you don't push a finger through it. For me, the sweet spot for when I want a frontline garment like a cat suit or a singlet or something right. like that, I tend to have it done in 0.6 millimeter. E7 gear tends to do most of theirs in 0.6 because they also realize that, that one, it holds up better. Mm -hmm. You aren't so liable to tear it. The other thing is, at that thickness, it still stretches. Where when you start to get into the higher ones, like if you buy something at 1.2, it's like having leather. You have to have it made properly. Yeah. And if you put a few pounds on, it's not going to fit because it's not going to stretch. Right. That kind of thing. The other thing about the different weights or sizes of latex is rubber has always been black most people see it well yeah. that's changing but 
it's the thinner latexes that still have the most color choices. So if okay. you buy yeah. something in 0.3 millimeter, you can have up to 70 different colors that you can choose from, from standard colors to what we call pearl sheen, which have kind of a, an opalescent quality yeah. to yeah, them. Yeah, I've, I've seen those. They have versions of them of the colors that are literally uh, fluorescent. They're like dago colors. And I've seen some really unique stuff done in it. And then another thing that's been popular is transparent colors where you can see through it to a degree. The suit I had on the other night was a semi-transparent. Yeah, kind of a smoky gray. Right. But because of the 0.6, you really don't see through it that well. It's still pretty covering. One of the things that you'll see at MIR from time to time is you've got guys that have just have gorgeous body art. And they will come in a completely transparent 0.3 millimeter suit and nothing is hidden. It's It really is a hot look. All you really see are the zippers and the arc. Exactly. Exactly. There can be neat things that you can do with that as well. But if you're looking for colors, then you, know, you usually have to go a little bit thinner. 0.6 is getting better. You would probably be able to find maybe 20 colors there when you get to the higher... Your, your main hanky colors, your reds, your yellows, your browns. Exactly. When you get to the top ones like 1.2, I have some garments. I usually have jackets made out of that. And you'll usually find black, red, and oddly enough, they will make transparents in that color too. But that's usually the extent of it. There's very little yeah, And, and then the 1.2 or, or higher ones, that's kind of something you'd make like a sleep sack. Yes. Something that is less garment and more gear, Mm plate gear. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see you've got all of these notes about all these things you want to talk about. And and you are the expert here. I see here, care of latex. Of course, latex, like condoms, oil-based lubricant. No. That's rule number one. And some people, they don't equate the two, but... Care of latex, the cardinal rule number one is if it's something that you shouldn't apply to a condom, you don't apply it to latex garments because you will ruin it. The same damage that can happen to a condom, you will do to a latex garment as well. So oil-based lubricants, Crisco, things like that, mm-mm, that's where you really have to draw the line. Sil- silicone or J-Lube, depending on how intense your play is or water-based that kind of thing any of those will work that's cardinal rule number one cardinal rule number two which is probably less known is rubber reacts to metals and especially if you have a lighter colored outfit you can have some pretty dramatic changes if you i wasn't thinking one time went to a party i was wearing a yellow shirt Mm -hmm. in latex and i had put a black metal chain heavy one over the top and i didn't think anything of it came back to the hotel after i was done took it off and here was an imprint of that chain in the yellow and it faded to a degree but a lot of times it won't and for people who have if you have black you'll never see it you won't Mm -hmm. notice it it depends but if you have even a red or something like that you will mar the garment that way and that's one that a lot of people don't know Hmm. That when, if you sunk a lot of money into a shirt or yeah, a garment like yeah. that, and all of a sudden, oh my God. And where you have to be a little careful is like, I'll wash a garment. Mm-hmm. I had a garment one time and I threw it over a curtain rod in, or over the shower curtain rod in the hotel. Mm-hmm. It was made of metal. When I pulled it down, I had a line that was running across the shoulders oh, of that garment. So that's one for people who, even some people who use it a lot, might not be aware of. But that's one I caution people, be real careful at having metal. Metal hangers, things like that, you have to be really, really careful with. Are there any metals that are more... Because I'm thinking that the two basic metals that one would usually run into would be steel in some form and aluminum but both of those i think both will okay you have i think even like silver will some of those kind of things you just have to be careful it's one that i really don't care to test to say you know this one will do it this one won't i'm not yeah i mean you don't have any cheap latex in this apartment everything in here 
you've paid good money for and gotten really high quality stuff yeah. and okay so yeah. that that's one that's a tip that you might not see in a lot of places that you might not mm. nobody will tell you that one and that's one right. that you'll get a really nasty surprise and especially if someone has just bought their first garment and they're not aware of it and that will ruin your day let's so, put it that way so yeah if you have a chain collar and you want to wear a latex shirt yes. yeah might want to Think twice. Think Let's twice that about way. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking about boot punk. His chain collar I don't think would be an issue because it's painted mm -hmm. with probably latex paint. Yeah, yeah. So if they're properly coated, yeah, yeah, you can get away yeah. with things like that. But yeah. again, that's one that a lot of people don't know, so I want to get that one out. Another question that I got is, as a matter of fact, over at the dungeon is people were asking about they were asking about how to get dressed in it. The question came about hair, and there's been discussions about that. Now, there's some latex that, if it's not tight-fitting, often you can wriggle into it without any kind of a dressing aid. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people prefer to use a dressing aid. It does make life a lot easier. A lot of people will use talcum powder, but talcum powder, I don't like the residue that it gives. Yeah. So it's not one of my favorite, but a lot of people use it, and it does work. It, you mm -hmm. can literally coat the inside of the garment with powder and you will slide right in. For myself, I like to use a lube. I have a, a lube that I get from Mr. S called Astroglide that it's not as wet as some and it coats the inside and it makes the experience of putting rubber on even more fantastic. Are you sure it's Astroglide? I that's the old name for it. Okay. And they still use Astroglide on some of the bottles of it. Okay. But that's Mr. S's name for Yeah, it. Mr. S's Astrolide. Not the same Astrolide you would find at the pharmacy. Mr. S's is, is silicone-based, mm -hmm. not water-based. Because, yeah, the, the Astrolide that I know of you get yeah. you know, from your pharmacist and is water and sugar-based. Yeah. But just quickly to go through a few is that that will help. A one little trick, too, that some people like to do is they'll go ahead and put J-Loop powder in. I've heard that. And you have to be a little sweaty, and that's a unique experience to do that. But that's one that I'm kind of torn on. It doesn't work as quickly as you might like. But some of the other things about care is make sure you wash your latex when you take it off. Body oils will degrade latex as well. It's important to wash them, use soap. I tend to use things like just a dishwashing liquid because it cuts the oils. Dawn is an amazing it thing. It is. Then what I'll go ahead and do is, I because I don't like the droplets that will form on it, I'll go ahead and towel dry the outside, but then just let it hang mm -hmm. to drip dry off the rest of the way. But then when you put it away, there are two kind of rules to that. One of the things that happens to latex is it tarnishes. And latex tarnishes, it will leave a white residue on it. It's almost like... What you see that happens to chocolate when it gets older, you'll see a white film that'll develop. Yeah, yeah. And when that happens on latex, the garment is pretty much ruined. I finally found something, a particular treatment that you can actually reverse that to a degree. But that's another frustrating way to do it. But latex is very sensitive to light and it's sensitive to the air. That's what causes the tarnish. It's literally an oxidation. So when I store my latex, I turn it inside out first of all, mm -hmm. mainly because then the air that's there tends to get to the inside, what was the inside of the right, garment, right. where you don't care. Right. So the finished surface ends up inside where less air gets to it. Then a lot of people like to powder their garments. I don't, unless the garment is really old and has gotten a little bit sticky. I really haven't had any trouble with them sticking. So what I try to do is I just make sure small garments I'll put in a late or in a plastic Ziploc bag, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's also very important that you keep the air out of it. So I put mine in a garment bag or fold it carefully if it's smaller into a Ziploc bag, something like that. But then get it out of the light. So all of my good latex gets turned inside out, gets put on a plastic hanger, and gets put inside a zip-up garment bag. And that's how I store mine for the most part is for that. Those are some of the things that are really important if you're going to sink some money into it that you treat it right. Because it can last you a long time. I have jackets that I still get compliments on that are 15 years old. But because they've been treated properly, you know, they will last a long time. 
This section of A Hairy Prone Companion is brought to you by Tom's All Night Diner. Tom's All Night Diner, the perfect place to stop on your walk of shame. Tom's. We don't judge. Out loud. Eat in the dark. Feel better about your life choices. As always, our final section of A Hairy Prone Companion is our crafting section. Nothing much has changed in my crafting life since we last spoke, but you craft something slightly different than what we've been talking about in recent, well, in all nine of our previous episodes. We've never touched on this. You make lace. Commonly known as tatting. It's also sometimes called shuttle lace, where you wind a thread onto uh, some kind of a vehicle, usually called a shuttle, Mm -hmm. and you're using your hand as really the loom for it. Okay. And you can craft any kind of lace that you might like. It's not hard, the motions to learn them. I've taught classes in it. Sometimes it's difficult to get people to learn the basic moves. Once you've got that down, it's just a matter of following patterns at that point. It's really not that difficult. But you have variability in it in that I tend to like to make very fine laces. I will use a size 80 yarn, which is sewing thread is 100. Okay. So, and a lot of the common crochet yarns that you can get usually are 10, 20, or 30. So I'm using usually an 80, which makes a very fine hanky lace. Okay. So if people are looking to make their own hankies out there, you know. (laughs) You can make yourself a brown lace hanky and fly that you either have a nice foreskin on you or that you're looking for a nice foreskin. Exactly, exactly. But tatting can be used for, again, it's mostly lace, but I've seen people make whole tablecloths on it. That's an year-long undertaking. It's a lot, a lot of work. The smaller, of course, the finer the yarn that you're going to use will mean that your lace is going to be smaller and finer. I will go and make wedding hankies or, you know, I have ants that are still in the old country and I'll make gifts for them. I can usually make enough lace in size 80 yarn to get, or size 80 thread to get around a standard hanky. It takes me almost a whole weekend to do that, to get around four sides of a hanky with enough lace. So some are simpler, some are more complicated. That will have a bearing on it too. But it's a kind of a dying craft. You don't find a lot of people who do it. But I've given classes on it and lots of people, there's still people out there really would like to learn. You have this embroidered tablecloth, but it also has kind of a, a lace edging to it. Is is this no? That's crochet. That one. This one's crocheted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Oh yeah, you're right. I, now I recognize that, that one's again. actually probably a manufactured one that came off a of factory loom. Oh. On that one, but I, yeah. we have done tatted lace to go around a tablecloth as well. You just use a heavier yarn, and it takes longer and, and is more. I think it's like any other handcraft, though. I mean, even if you're knitting or you're crocheting or anything like that, you have to have a certain degree of patience to do it. Oh, yeah. If uh, I find that most of the folks who do crafting, if they are, if the whole goal is just to get to the end, they're usually very frustrated with the project Mm -hmm. because it will not go fast enough for them, that kind of thing. I think the people who really get into their crafting that enjoy it are the ones who are doing it because they like the act of doing it. They enjoy the making of it. The fact that you have something nice at the end is kind of a bonus. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I know that, you know, my ex who, who taught me how to do it, he's also into old movies. And he needed something to do with his hands while he was watching Bogart and Bacall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so got into crocheting and knitting and he can do that while paying attention to the movie. And then, you know, he just keeps doing it and... Then, you know, every year Christmas rolls around and he just has this stack (laughs) of things that he's done. So equipment-wise, you just need the number 80 yarn and... That's what I would use. If if I were to teach somebody, I would probably start them at a a size 10. Just because then you can see the knots that you're making a little better. But tatting is a really portable craft. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother in the old country used to do it. That's where I learned it from. 
And she always wore a smock. And when she sat down, she reached into her pocket, pulled her tatting out and would sit there and tat while she chatted with people and relaxed a little bit. And when it was time to go do something, it would slide back in her pocket and she was off and going again. Yeah. But for tatted lace and shuttle lace, there's also a form of tatting called needle lace where you actually use long needles to do it. Um, I've tried it. I haven't had much success with that. But for most commonly, you'll find shuttle lace. You need a shuttle. Mm-hmm. And the shuttles vary in size. Some of them can be quite small for finer yarns. There's also a large shuttle that they call a Tatsy shuttle that probably, I don't know, is a good three, four inches across. Okay. And it's for heavier yarns, that kind of thing. But the problem is you're using your hands as the loom. That's about as big as you're going to be able to get a shuttle and still get it around your fingers to yeah. work it properly. Yeah, so you get any larger, you'd have to have a loom along with the shuttle to be able exactly. to, to pull it off. Many of the shuttles, too, will have either a crochet hook tip on one end or a pointed plastic tip on the end. There is a motion that you make that allows you to join the different structures that you need to be able to pick the thread through these loops. Okay. And in the old, my grandmother, the old ones she had were just plain. So mm-hmm. she always had to keep a pin that she would use to draw her thread through when she needed to make those joints. And so if you have these, we brought her some one time when we went over, and she threw all the old ones away. It was just so great <laughs> to have something. Have everything right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There are some shuttles, too, that you have to hand wind them. They also have shuttles. I think DMC makes a version that has like a sewing bobbin in it that you would see in a sewing machine. Yeah. So you can literally, some of them you can even drop into a sewing machine and load them that way as opposed to hand winding them. Yeah. And then you just slide it into the middle of the shuttle and work with it that way. I've never had terribly good luck with those because if the thread slips, it can get to be a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Well, and I know that in my crochet and my knitting, that part of it is making the balls of yarn mm-hmm. and just that winding. And I consider it part of the yeah. craft yes. is, is doing that winding and doing that prep. And one of the great things about these crafts, crochet and knitting and and I've heard a theory that this is why it became, why these things became women's work is because it's portable and you can pick it up and put it down. And so it goes really well with having to raise children and having lots of interruptions when Johnny scrapes his knee (laughs) or the roast needs to be pulled out of the oven or the potatoes are about to boil over or it's time to add another beet to the borscht. So just to finish the topic, about about the only other thing that's usually handy to have is a small pair of scissors, you know, with a nice... Uh, point on them so that you can get in to snip thread every now and then. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, have a small pin cushion with a few straight pins in it. That's really all you need because the work is really done over your hands. Of course, your favorite crafting store will have the shuttles and the yarns. and They might. That it's, it's a, 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 really... a larger crafting store probably yeah. or Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, that would yeah. be the place I would send people. And that's where I would go to find patterns you will find pattern books in online a lot where you can find doilies, you can find lace patterns. Uh, try something small to start with. Get a class if you want to. It's it's really helpful if you can have somebody who can show you the motions that you need to make. It's a little hard to be self-taught at that. I've had people in my classes who have tried, and learning it wrong is not a good thing to do in that one. And it's also kind of difficult to teach somebody purely over an audio medium. (laughs) Exactly. If you are looking for a little lace to go with your leather, (laughs) check out Tatting. I think think you guys will enjoy it and be able to make more beautiful, functional things. In a couple weeks, I'm going to interview one of the vendors who is going to be at Claw. It is Crochet Empire. And he makes crocheted jock straps and he's a kinky bugger he sent me a twitter recently because mike had mentioned that maybe next time i could crochet my harness out of leather i was like i'm not sure that would work and he wrote back and said oh yeah that'll work and i'll show you how and i'm like all right (laughs) so that'll probably be the crafting component of that one is talking about how one i'm still having difficulty wrapping my mind around it but i am willing to learn 
for those guys out there who might be recon members, I'm on recon as Veritas69. You're more than welcome to drop me a note there if you have a question either on latex or leather or tatting. I have no problem with that. <laughs> it's always good to hear from people. Or foreskin, that too. <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to devote an entire show to cut versus uncut. <laughs> and there's a debate. Yeah. But we have run out of time again. Send your questions, comments, show ideas, dirty pictures, project photos, or PayPal tips to harryprone at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us. We are at harryprone.comp. Our theme music is Hotspot by Aux used under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. I'm your host, Sir Arcane. I'm here at 1069. Wishing you peace, love, and perversion. Good night. Good night.